Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 9 and verses 6 through 9. Revelation chapter 9 and verses 6 through 9. Okay. I'm doing all these messages on this subject so that when I get done, you can pass the test. Okay. If I live. All right. Okay. Uh, but uh, listen, we have spent some time on this, probably more time than I would spend on just a subject on a Sunday morning particularly. We've done them Sunday morning and evening, but uh, uh, we even got away from it in, in November for a little while and then come back to it, and I want to try to finish this out. But, but I, I just want you to understand, this is very important for us to know. Important for us to know, to be thankful at this time of year, to say, boy, am I glad Jesus came. Look what we're missing by his coming. Look what happened when we received him and from that from which we were delivered. I tell you what, that is something. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. But uh, it's a gift that must be received, and so many will die without that gift. And I think that if we would just get a set in our heart and mind that we could see what lies ahead for those who die in their sin, that maybe our compassions would grow and we would not really care what people think, say about us, or the cost. Because what is the value of a soul? If you were to pass away suddenly and you had a child that was unsaved, you'd no longer be there to be a witness. If that child was never saved, and yet in your lifetime you might have had the chance to have led them to Christ. I'm sure that your prayer as you're with the Lord would be, oh Lord, please, just like the rich man in hell, send someone, send someone to my child. We need to have that kind of a burden for souls because it's the burden that Jesus Christ had for us. And so it's important that we have that. So in Revelation chapter 9, beginning with verse 6, And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of these locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. Now we'll just stop right there uh, tonight, and, and then we'll pick up next time. Father, I pray as we... Look into these few verses here, Lord, just to say you had a purpose for it being in your word. You had a purpose for we as a people to see it. So, Lord, I pray that you'd make it very clear and understandable to each and every person here this evening. In Jesus Christ's most precious and holy name we pray it. Amen. Now, this morning we were talking about these, the shapes of the locusts. And 
they were shaped like unto horses, and we could see uh, just the beginning, and we, we looked at the plan of salvation as it involves that, which I like to do on a Sunday morning anyhow. But uh, these horses are prepared unto battle. Now, in that day, these horses were well trained for battle. They could set fires, and these horses could run through fires. They could run through uh, things that noise or whatever would cause uh, them to be fearful and run. As a matter of fact, I'm told, I don't know this for a fact, I'm just told this, that they train military horses that way today uh, for the sound of guns and things like that as they're involved in a cavalry type of thing or even police uh, horses, the mounted police. Uh, they're trained to for those things, for crowds and, and things of that nature. I always wondered how Roy Rogers could ride that horse and fire that gun and not scare Trigger. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, they're trained for that. And so they don't flee in the sound of battle. Now we'll see in verse 9, as we've already pointed out before, that the sound of their wings are as the sound of many horses running to battle. Now, when we spent time on Nineveh, when she will be destroyed, and they're coming in, and there's a noise of that. And we saw that when they heard that their, their wall had come down, there was no protection for them. That these soldiers, these men, they fled Nineveh. They left their wives, they left their children. I wonder what kind of soldiers who had gone throughout the country, the of that day, all the countries of that day, conquering, being a number one power. And when they would go into those countries, they'd kill the men and then they would do the unimaginable to women and children. And, and you think about that and you say, how terrible. Now, knowing what they would do to their children, to their women, they flee. And yet, I believe they hear with the walls gone, the armies that are coming after them, they can hear the sound of the chariots and the horses. And as they hear those sounds, they flee. They flee in fear. Which shows that although it may be their wife, it may be their children, it shows us the depravity of man on the one hand, but the fear that is in hell even at this day. Those who have died in their sin and gone to hell and they're dwelling there now awaiting for that great white throne when they'll be cast to the lake of fire with death and hell. This is the fear that they experience. It's hard to wrap our minds around what kind of a fear is that? But it's a very real fear. And we understand that's what awaits them. Now, having said that, we see the second thing about these locusts. They have crowns on their heads. The crowns are like gold. It doesn't say that they are actually gold. They are like gold. These locusts are prepared for battle. But they're not like any locust ever seen on the face of the earth. These locusts, 
not only shaped like horses, which in Joel's day, we, there were those that were shaped like horses, and there are a species of that, I'm told, that has that kind of a shape. But these have crowns on their head that is like gold. Again, like gold does not mean actual gold. Uh, you'll remember that the rich man in hell, somehow he was allowed to see Lazarus. In Abraham's bosom. I, I, I don't really understand all of that. I do know this. That in Revelation chapter 14. We find that these people are tormented. By the lamb and his angels. Satan is tormented there. But obviously they see God in his wrath. The, the devil and his angels. In that place. And so here they are seeing this coming on them. Lazarus prayed when he sees, uh, uh, I mean, the rich man prays when he sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, when he was allowed to see that. He said, oh, let him come. Dip his finger in water and touch my tongue because I am tormented in this flame. And, of course, the answer is no. You see, one second in the hell, it's too late to have answered prayer. And then he makes this prayer, please send someone from the dead to go to my brother's house. Warn them. And again, the answer is no. And he says, but if someone went to him from the dead, they would repent. <laughs> you know, isn't that interesting? He says they would repent. There are a lot of people who don't believe repentance is necessary for salvation. But I tell you what, that rich man in hell knew. But they said, no, they won't believe it, even though one rose from the dead. And that's been proven multiple times over in the last 2,000 years. Though one rose from the dead, people still will not believe. And so... There he is in another kind of a suffering, not just by the locust, but the suffering of no hope. None whatever. But it tells us something, too. If you have a loved one in hell, one who died in their sin, they, they were never saved. And, and they're there. And like the rich man, they think of one who may be unsaved in their home, in their family, among their friends. And they pray that they do not have to go to that place. It might be somebody who loved you like a brother, but they're praying for the salvation of their loved one. They're concerned about them. They don't want you in that eternal flame. You'd think they'd want company, wouldn't you? But understand, there are degrees of punishment in hell. That means it is a place also of separation. All the rich man brothers could go to hell and he would never see one of them. 
And that punishment is forever. Forever. So again, as we look at that and we begin to consider this. Realize that if we don't have a passion for souls, there are people in hell that do. There are people in hell that may be putting us to shame today on that thing. Well, as we said here, these have crowns like gold and it's not astral gold because it won't do men any good in hell. That gold is not for any man in hell. It's so different than the streets of gold that are so pure that they are like transparent glass. Oh, that'd be a great day to walk on those streets. But the man in hell will never get to walk on those streets. And imagine what's going on when he returns. Those clouds roll back as a scroll. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says, Every eye shall see him, even those that pierced him. I believe all hell will be open when Jesus comes back at the second coming. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about after the rapture. The second coming when Jesus actually comes to touch earth and those skies roll back. The clouds are rolled back and they can see him coming. And I believe that hell is just like the rich man could see Lazarus. Now they see Jesus coming back. In wrath and in anger as he comes back to set up his kingdom. Matter of fact, Revelation chapter 19, let me read that to you. Uh, Talks about that return. It says, and I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. You know, we like to call ourselves Christians, which means Christ-like, but really, if we're going to be Christ-like, make sure you're faithful and true. You can't be unfaithful, whether it's on your job and true, whether it's on the job or in the home but especially in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Be faithful and true. Then you can call yourself Christian. And so, he was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge. Righteousness he doth judge. That's important. Don't miss that. The judgment of God is absolute in its righteousness. The blood flowing to the horse's bridle is righteous. Hell, it is righteous. Oh, that we say men, but even if God's people would understand the holiness of God and what sin is in his holy sight. He doth judge and make war, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written which no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, 
Some say they believe it's dipped in the blood of those when the uh, blood flows to the horse's bridle. But it seems as they see him on that horse coming, that that's already there. Maybe just one of the other things these people see, that represents the blood that was shed for their sin. What they could have avoided had they only received him. He is clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning, as we said this morning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word of God. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. And so Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Because the word is truth and the light. And no man comes unto the Father but by me. But now it's interesting to me that he has many crowns. Some perhaps would say, well, those crowns represent all the kingdoms that he conquers. And that's a possibility. But he's the king of kings. He's clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. And as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, verse 16 refers to him that way in Revelation chapter 19. In other words, all the crowns of men are secondary unto him. He's already the king of kings. So these crowns may be something that we see in Revelation chapter 4. When those saints received a crown, a crown of rejoicing for leading souls to Christ. And on we could go about the various crowns that are there in the scriptures. The crown of life, the crown of glory. But oh my goodness, he throws, he has those crowns there and we are able to place those crowns at his feet. If we did that which would obtain those crowns from him. And those crowns are given to him because as he comes back as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. We're ruling and reigning with him. And so that kingdom, we gave to him that we'll rule and reign with him because it is dedicated to his glory. Oh, the glory of God. And so we, we think of that and the people who could have been saved by the blood. What a shock. When they see this one ascending from heaven on a horse, and it's not a motorized horse. On a horse. And the armies of heaven following him. And they know that it's more than the hands of man. It's the hand of God. The one that will make blood flow to the horse's bridle. 
No, last time the world saw him. I'm not talking about after the resurrection when he appeared unto his people. But I'm talking about the last time the unsaved world saw him. He had a crown. A crown of thorns. That's the best the world would give to him. But when he comes back, he has a crown of gold. He is, has many crowns on his head because he is the king of kings. And he will come back and they shall see him who they have crucified. Now, these locusts, I believe, have a crown. Because their kingdom for which they were created was hell. The pit of hell. They're created for that. They were created to torment in that place, to do what they do. Satan can do nothing about it. Satan will be chained there a thousand years. I believe that they will, during that thousand years, torment him. After the thousand years, Satan is loose for a little while. Why he deceives himself and thinks that, well, I can get around and get all these nations against God and then I can still take that kingdom. It won't happen. Then he's cast into that eternal lake of fire. And all those who are without Christ are cast right in there with him. But for some reason, these are able to torture them as well. The the torment is great. We're told that it's as the sound of many horses pulling chariots as they run to battle. It'll be as, uh, the sound will be as wings of, of the locusts as they're released. Well, in that day in the tribulation, when that angel opens the pit and out comes this huge, thick smoke that darkens the sun, even the air, it says, it darkens. And as it darkens it all, men are stung. They're screaming. They're in pain. They want to die and they can't. They try to kill themselves and they can't. And in that situation, that thick darkness And they hear those locusts again. You know, the one thing we're not told is that sting just happens one time. Can you imagine laying there? Because this will last for five months. Other men know not to get near you. And you hear that noise. And there may be another sting coming. That is what it is. And the people of earth during the tribulation will have a five month opportunity to stand. Just like if you looked in the vestibule back here and looked through the window and seen the inside. It will give them a five month view of what hell is and why they need to repent. And believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. All the men of Nineveh. Who had created so much havoc. 
killed so many people and caused the fear as their horses and their chariots rode in the battle. Now we'll hear that and they do hear that and they are destroyed as well. The horses, the, the sound of many horses running to battle. But in hell, there's not an end. There's not an end at all. You know, I still think of those men of Nineveh. They, they heard that. They knew what it meant. They knew what they had done. They knew that people would be after them. There was a reason those armies were coming after them. They hear it. And I think of the people in the tribulation. Those of rank. Those that have attained because there are those in the tribulation that seem to be exalted. They've killed the two witnesses of the Lord. And perhaps that gives a lot of people thinking, hey, they can't hurt us. They can't hurt us anymore. Of course, those two witnesses in Revelation 11 are risen again, but they don't do any more harm to them. They're taken up into heaven. Maybe they think there's a hope now that they don't have to get saved. But then again, I think, as we just read in Revelation 19, we see Revelation 6, 12 through 17 saying this, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. Lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as when a fig tree casts forth her untimely figs, when she is shaken up a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, when it's rolled together. And every mountain... And every island were moved out of their places. Every mountain. When Jesus returns, it's not just Armageddon. Oh, there are mountains surrounding that, but it's not just Armageddon. The Rocky Mountains. The Smoky Mountains. Mount Everest. The Swiss Alps, and on you can go about the mountain ranges. And every island, Cuba, Japan. Think of this Great Britain, Sicily, the Hawaiian Islands, the Philippines. The Micronesian Islands where we have a radio program on there. And we read in that place once again. That they are moved out of their places. Every mountain island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth. And the great men. And the rich men. And the chief captains. And the mighty men. And every bondman and every free man, <laughs> doesn't matter if you're in the upper crust or the lower crust, it affects them all. Yes, every mighty man, every bondman, every free man, 
hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. These people are praying to rocks and mountains. People prayed to idols for many years. And they still, even in the tribulation, won't get answers from them. But they're praying to them. I've never been in a landslide. I've never been in a thing where they, the rocks come down, the, that big slide coming down the side of a mountain, all those rocks. And you hear of it, and you've seen pictures of it, you know, and they, they hit people, they made movies out of them, and things of that nature. But for them, they know that that would be much better than to face what is coming. For they say here, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Think of that. They talk about their war. They talk about their great weaponry they have today. They talk about their mightiness. But they fear the Lamb because this is the Lamb of God. For the great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, I point all that out to say, this is the fear in hell. These kings of terror... The locusts will instill, and that will happen in the tribulation for a five-month period. Stories told of back in the day of the Greek games, we get our, uh, today we, we, we go on and, and, and every year, uh, well, about every four years now, what do we do? We get together and have the Olympics. And that's what they grew out of was those Greek games. But they'd have the Greek games. And in that day, it was worth trying to win something. Because if you won, if you got the trophy, you didn't have to pay taxes the rest of your life. I think I could outrun everybody. Uh, but uh, they had a man that was expected to win because of his great speed. Seemed to excel all others. And his endurance in running that race. But as he was running, it is said that a scorpion stung that man. It hit and stung him. And this man, who was such a great physical specimen of a man, fell to the ground, writhing in pain, gritting his teeth, foaming at the mouth. Can we have compassion for souls that will be facing that in the pit who die without Christ? Those that are even in hell today, we can't do anything about them. But they're hoping that we will say something to their loved ones. I'm so thankful here for our bus ministry. I'm thankful for OCA. Both of these ministries bring in boys and girls, and many times there are parents that don't have any care for the things of God's house, the things of God. 
They just think, well, this would be a good thing for my child because I love my child. It's not that they don't love their child. It's that they don't believe the truth of God. They don't believe these truths that come straight from the word of God. And so, they end up in the pit. The story is told of the old Greek games back in the day of Greece that a man was running and he fell and writhed in pain. He said, or he just said, I know. I'm saying that to say this. Anytime you look at a soul that you think isn't saved, think of them in that condition. God has given us a gospel. You can verbally witness the gospel. You can even hand out tracts. Uh, there's, there's one I did, but it's got the QR code where you can let people hear it if they don't read it. But it's there. All we need to do is find those tracts that have the plan of salvation in it and give them to people and seek to lead them to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you see, the worst thing about this is that no one in the tribulation and no one in hell is able to cease to exist so they'll no longer feel the pain. Let me just finish with this passage in Job chapter 18. Verses 11 through 15. Because these horse-shaped locusts with crowns that are like gold to drive home a very point. The point of their kingdom. And in Job 18 verse 11, terrors shall make him afraid on every side. And shall drive him to his feet. His strength shall be hunger bitten. And destruction shall be ready at his side. It shall devour the strength of his skin. Even the firstborn of death shall devour his strength. His confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle. And it shall bring him to the king of terrors. It shall dwell in his tabernacle because it is none of his. Brimstone shall be scattered upon his habitation. Oh, the king of terror is death. Separation from God forever in a lake from which there is no ceasing to exist and no chance of escape. No hope. With this infliction coming upon them. I call it a living death. A living death. Because they shall never die. They shall never cease. 
These locusts have a kingdom. Satan and his angels are tormented by them. They reign over Satan and his angels in that place. As well as those who died without Christ. So let me say this. If you're not sure you're saved. There was a little chorus that we sang, I think, back when I was a teenager. And I haven't really heard much used in recent years, but it's a good one for its words. Oh, don't go away without Jesus. Oh, don't go away without him. You know he is willing to save you. And cleanse from your heart every sin. Oh, yield to his offer of mercy. Oh, take of the grace he imparts. And don't go away without Jesus in your heart. Oh, we should have that desire because we have a love in our heart for men. One reason I believe that we have some type of a body in hell is in Job, he said, about his tabernacle. It dwells in his tabernacle. On his habitation, there is brimstone. But it's outer darkness and all they can do is hear the king of terrors as the noise of their wings are as many chariots being pulled by horses going to battle and the emphasis of battle will be in their minds the Ninevites and then the Jews actually in Jerusalem what Joel was written about The Jews could not eliminate the locusts. God blew them away. But the difference is that although they were kind of a horse-shaped locust, they would die one day. But the locusts of hell for which they were prepared are different. They have crowns on their heads because they are kings of terrors. Let's have compassion for souls. Let's have compassion for souls. Oh, they have faces of men, hair of women. We'll see more about that. I think every one of those things are written there and have an implication. But right now, think of the implication it is for a soul without Christ. Sunday school teachers, Christian school teachers. Think of those souls that God has entrusted to you. In a Sunday school, it's important they learn the lesson. But it's just as important that you care for their soul. In a Christian school, yes, we teach them Bible, we preach to them, and they 
learn the subjects, the English, the history, and so forth. And it's important that they get those things and they get them at a quality level that should represent Christianity. But let the souls of those individuals be most important to you. Let them be a daily part of your prayer. You know, a Sunday school teacher or a school teacher can prepare lessons and do very well. But what a shame it would be to have the position and not daily by name pray for those children. Because in many cases, there may be no one else praying for them. God has you where you are for a purpose. Let him use you. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, in a moment, we're going to sing hymn 441. Oh, through Christ we escape the eternal lake. But we still have a judgment seat. Some will lose reward. Some will have to be ashamed. Some will see the blood of their loved ones dripping from their hand as they're cast into that eternal lake of fire. So, Lord, I pray that we'll just have the wisdom to believe you and know that that day we will wish we had given him more, so help us to start giving him more now. In Jesus' name, amen.